You're listening to The OK Show, a podcast brought to you by The Current. Everybody's got their something. We all are crazy. <laughs> like, we're all crazy, and it's okay to be crazy. Um, so let's all talk about it so we can be less crazy. As people who struggle with mental health issues, that's like the most common feeling. But I think that there has to be a point where you allow yourself to be vulnerable, be sad, be hurt. Even if it's a sad subject matter, there's something that's really life-affirming in that process of listening to music that moves you. How about we all stay alive so you can continue to make great music? How about we all just stay alive? Hey, you're listening to The OK Show. I'm Andrea Swenson. This is a podcast where real musicians talk about their real lives. It's going to get loud today because we are talking to Natalie Grace McKay of the hardcore band Naive Sense. I'll be totally honest, hardcore is not an area of expertise for me, but I have always been fascinated by it. There is something so primal, so raw, so emotional about this style of music, and I am really intrigued by Natalie's story. Over the past couple of years, Natalie has been extremely candid about her experiences, not just in entering the hardcore world, Naive Sense is her first hardcore band, but in her journey towards sobriety and recovery and also her experiences as a transgender performer. I was super excited to talk to Natalie about all of these things and more and learn more about Naive Sense in the process. So without further ado, episode 20 of The OK Show, a conversation with Natalie Grace McKay. Hi, Natalie. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for uh, hanging out today and for chatting with me. Of course, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I guess one thing that draws me to your story is that you are in the middle of a big transition in your life right now, and you've been really open about sharing that transition on your Facebook page and with people. Um, can you, for someone that isn't familiar with your backstory, can you just get us kind of caught up to where you're at right now um, on your personal journey and kind of how that le- led in you into the music scene here. Um, so I've always kind of had some involvement, I, however minimal. I've always been going to shows. It's always been like my safe, comfortable space because mm. I could just sort of disappear and get lost in the music and really enjoy something. Um, that kind of all changed when I started transitioning uh, almost two years, well, over two years ago now is when I came out. Um, for me, when I came out as transgender, it was a very like... <clears throat> I am not going to be private about this. I'm just going to, I'm going to be public about this. I'm not going to try and hide who I am from anybody else. I, for me, I felt so tired of being that wallflower and feeling like I was just kind of off to the corner by myself, not really seen. I'm like, I want to be seen for me. Mm. I want to stand up for myself. I don't want to be this timid, scared person anymore. Um, so when I came out, I'm like, I'm going to be very direct about this. I'm going to be very open with people about this. And that was my decision. It's not, that's not a rule for anybody. And I don't always recommend it for everybody. I have a 
lot of trans friends that would just frankly rather not talk about it. Sure. For me, I, well, I like talking about myself. I'm a bit of a narcissist and I'm my favorite subject. Um, <laughs> I'll just put that one out there. So I just kind of decided to really talk, start talking about it. And I found that I got a lot of support, especially from the music scene. Yeah, there's a lot of problems I still face, but I got a lot of support from the music scene. And I found myself just sort of getting more and more involved. Um, again, transitioning for me was kind of an act of standing up for myself yeah. and not trying to hide anymore. So then like, it, when that comes to music, like I had never played in a band before and I was just kind of like starting to get more and more emotions, like transitioning, like the backstory is one thing. Um, and that's just a very brief synopsis. I transitioned a few years ago, and I've never been happier. I've, mm. Like it's been the it was the best decision of my entire life. Um, but the farther along I go, it's like the more and more issues I face from the rest of the world internally. My body is a currently a piece of legislation at this time and so it's like these are big kind of things going on so it's like with my backstory when we talk about these things the best I can really say is I was unhappy at one point and I was really struggling I was very suicidal depressed mm. I um, was struggling very deeply with chemical dependency I've been sober for a year and a half now and that was kind of like just the tip of the iceberg these are still things I sort of struggle with but that was just very much the tip of the iceberg there's so much more going on in my own life now that is important and for me music is kind of is the outlet for that that's what gives me a voice I'm like I don't know how to be um an activist <laughs> like to be quite honest that's a lot of work I'm like organizing this stuff is a like a huge thing and I don't even know where to begin but I have a lot of feelings and a lot of opinions and a lot of anger about those and a lot of frustration and I would for me, music is my platform to talk about those things, to rally people. You know, it's getting in a band. We all, we don't just play music to um, just have that release. Like, well, having this emotional release is a big part of it. And it has definitely helped me just stay sane. I don't know what I would do without playing a show a few times a month. as just locally goes like a lot of people have been able to talk about these things a lot more and we've seen a lot more organization um around trans issues and a lot more advocacy going on and i'm super excited to see that and i'm really glad i got to be a part of opening that conversational door because like yeah. you know you've had a few trans artists in the cities venus de mars being the biggest right um she's a really good friend of mine and a kind of a personal hero but we don't have many people on stage being seen Right. And so for me, it's like, okay, well, sudden, I didn't expect all this to happen, but suddenly I'm on stage and there's 200 people in the room to see my band. Okay, I'm going to talk about these things <laughs> now because you guys are paying to not just watch me throw a temper tantrum on stage. You're paying to listen to what I have to say. And people have connected with that in a weird way. I've gotten to have wonderful, deep conversations and 
that's that's better for me than just talking about the latest cool badass seven inch. I'm interested in how you describe being a wallflower and then having this experience help you to kind of open up and build your confidence just as a person who wants to share their experiences. Tell me more about that process of kind of finding yourself and and being able to speak openly about what you're going through. Well, I'm for me one of the biggest things that did that like before when I came out um it was November like in what's the year 2016 are we at? Yes. <laughs> okay, so it'd be 2014. <laughs> okay. Or, 2013 or 2014 I'm trying to figure out years still but I came out and I have a very religious family when we always kind of didn't talk about religion or politics so we'd have much shallower conversations yeah we talk about things like going on in my life and kind of get personal but as far as I was concerned there was sort of this barrier and I'm like I don't really want to touch this like any sort of deeper issues that might cause conflict because we're Minnesotan and that's just how we roll. I don't know why, there's no rhyme or reason. And so when I came out I w- and I was like, well, I can't really hide this from my family. There's going to be some very obvious physical changes and I can't just not talk about this. So right. when coming out to the rest of my family was um, kind of the catalyst to do that, to just sort of be like, okay, well, it's time to say, hey, here's all these things I think that you're doing are very destructive to a lot of people and very harmful, and I'm not going to take that because they're not just destructive to my friends, they're harmful to me too. Right. And so that kind of gave me this huge sudden boost of confidence to stand up for myself and to really advocate for things that I just care about. Yeah. For me, like, as soon as I got that piece of confidence, like, hey, I survived my family rejecting me. I can survive just about anything. Um, I don't know. After coming out to my family and having them reject me, I felt like I was on top of the world in a way, and which is kind of a strange way to phrase that, but I survived it. And yeah. it just kind of gave me this push to keep going through the rest of my life knowing that I could stand on my own two feet and that I had a community of support around me and people who really loved me for me. And a lot of that were people in music. And Mm. so as I kind of started slowly standing up for myself more and being like, I just want to be the best person possible and not like these people who like flat out rejected me and don't want to have anything to do with me. Well, fuck that. I don't want to have anything to do with them either. And I don't have to now. I can go my own way and do my own thing. And so like throughout that kind of process, I don't know what it was, but it was just something just kind of kept slowly building. Like I made it through today. I survived today. I mean, trans women are being murdered in the streets right now. And I managed to survive to this moment, despite massive hostility, both verbal and physical in a very real way on the streets. Now I can, I think if I can make it through today, I can do anything. Mm. So, like, when you're kind of at that point, I guess for myself, there's sort of this feeling like I don't really have anything to lose. Yeah, I have a wonderful, beautiful life. I'm getting married this August. I have a fantastic band. I have a great job. I have a lot of people who love me and support me. But at the end of the day, I can lose all that stuff in a moment, but I haven't, and I've stayed alive, so I can do anything. I don't have anything to lose, really, when you get down to it. All right, baby. So your baby's feeling ready? Feeling about ready. Let's do it. Manufactured discontent.
Um, so when I had got the opportunity to start Naive Sense and that started kind of coming around, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of do what I want. I'm going to go insane when I'm on stage and like lose my mind. We have a very intense live show and I don't ever remember it. I just kind of like get on stage, music starts, I black out and suddenly we're done. <laughs> and it's just this very like adrenaline fueled thing. Apparently I talk between songs sometimes. Um, I don't always remember that. It's just from the beginning to the end of doing that and letting those emotions out and as I said throw a temper tantrum on stage and scream at people about my feelings and opinions and what I really think about the world and what I feel about how fucked up everything is like why wouldn't I do that so what was your introduction to hardcore oh that was when I was 13 there is this band called Zayo um, one of my all-time favorite bands. They started out as like this Christian hardcore band, and I like grew up in a very conservative evangelical environment, so I couldn't listen. I wasn't allowed to listen to anything but quote-unquote Christian music, um, and so I had started, you know, like very at a very early age. My older brother started introducing me to punk bands and some really good ones and cool things. But then one day. Um, I heard this band Zayo and I remember their one of their first records is called Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest and it's to this day one of my favorite records of all times it was my introduction into hardcore metal like very heavy abrasive music and I remember first hearing that and just being like this is giving me an adrenaline rush like I've never experienced in my entire life I don't know it was just a lot of fun I mean I'd never I never thought I would, like, when I was young, like, all this, like, rage and confusion in me, I didn't think I would really have a release for, and I thought it was supposed to be this thing that was, like, very main much maintained in this well-put-together manner. At least that's what I was taught, and now I'm being introduced to something where it's like, yeah, it's actually okay to let out all of your anger right, right. now. Yeah, life kind of sucks. It's frustrating. Go ahead. It's okay. And that's what I felt like hardcore was for me. There's also this really cool sense of community. Yeah, the hardcore scene has a lot of problems with misogyny and like it's a very male, white male dominated scene. Um, and anyone that tries to push against that gets shit upon. I have had enough experiences with that to tell you it's a very much a fact. But if anything, like being in that world and ha being told it's okay to. And within community being told it's okay to let out your aggression, it's like, okay, well, this is another thing that pisses me off. Interesting. It's like a cyclical relationship where the anger about the situation fuels oh, yeah. your connection to it. It really does. I mean, when we, when, like, when Naive Sons started, we were kind of had this idea of being an anti-hardcore band. I mean... <laughs> Like we're we're a hardcore band. We're a punk band. We play very heavy and abrasive music. We were going out of our way not to be this like broy masculine band. It was, and then we're all just chill people. And it's a band that's fronted by a trans woman. That's not a thing that normally happens. There's just a handful of bands nationwide that do that. Yeah. And so it's kind of this like very aggressive pushback against what you're told this is supposed to be. I mean, when I go to a lot of hardcore shows, there's this kind of unwritten rule that the pit is reserved for dudes. It, and if a girl wants to go, oh yeah, of course a girl can go into the pit, but it doesn't matter if she gets stomped all over. And it, for me, like when I look at that stuff, I don't just see like, oh, well that girl probably shouldn't have been in the pit if she couldn't handle it. 
I see a very fantastic metaphor for how the rest of the world treats women, treats mm-hmm. trans people, treats queer people, treats people of color. Like, I watch that at every damn show I go to. Somebody who is not a straight, cisgender, white male getting stomped on somewhere. We played a show recently where I stage dove. Um, was with some of our friends and I was doing guest vocals for a song and as soon as the music hit I was like oh I'm just gonna stage dive and I launched off the singers back into the um, crowd and you know people caught me kind of going around and then I was groped Mm. in there I'm like all right all these bands are like trying to be like yeah we're gonna support women we're gonna support queer dudes but it's like yeah but the crowd you draw because of who you are does not support that you are creating a very unsafe space and I kind of have issue with the idea of safe space i'm like okay punk for me is a very dangerous space and it should be very hostile to bigots and i will stand behind that till my dying day this punk is not safe punk is dangerous right um as a lot of my friends have put it but i'm like all right well if it's gonna be you know if people are gonna give lip service to justice and whatnot but refuse to back it up at these shows and create these dangerous environments for the people that they're supposedly fighting for no i'm gonna fight back and so that's kind of how i guess i react at these shows now and like more and more i mean i didn't really used to i was like oh i really want to keep the peace and kind of thing but then one day it was just i decided i'm just gonna like call all the queer people, the trans people, women, uh, people of color to the front. I was just like, why not just do this? You know, all these, my forebears have all done this. Yeah. So why don't I just kind of get on the bandwagon? We'll see how it goes. And people like went nuts and loved it. And I was just like, I remember the first time I did that. I was just like, oh my God, people are really okay with this. And people want this. Yeah. And my band, when I told them I'm going to do this, I'm a little bit nervous. Like, oh, we got your back. That's actually totally a cool idea. We'll just stay into the back. You get into the crowd. You do your thing. And we'll just be wallflowers. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) That's happening. (laughs) So I guess for me, it's like punk is kind of this. Punk, the hardcore world, the metal world. Well, it's a scene that, well, those are scenes that have been very much historically dominated by white, straight, cisgender men. I don't feel like that should be the rule. I'm picturing you the more that you face aggression and injustice that you're like kind of building this exoskeleton of like, it's like it almost fuels you a little bit. The other day, um, I just, my fiance and I just kind of got out of our area and went to stay at her mom's place. Her mom was out of town, and I suddenly felt like I didn't have to have that, ex- like this hard ass exterior on, and it just kind of crumbled off in a mm. way. And I was just suddenly like exhausted and feeling like an anxious wreck very quickly because to deal with this stuff, you have to have some hard skin. Yeah, I mean, this isn't. You don't, when you're talking about these sorts of things within the scene, you piss off everybody. You piss off, you know, the powers that be. You might not be feminist enough for certain feminists. You might not be trans enough for certain trans people. You might not be queer enough for certain queer people. And I'm white, so I can't be. It's just like all these things going on. I'm like, oh my God, this is so stressful to stand up for what you believe is just the right thing. Yeah, I was wondering about that. You know, you're saying that you obviously like getting the attention for your band and you like being on stage, but is there a pressure to being like a spokesperson for trans issues? Yeah. Or like, do you feel like you have to be like a representative for other people? I do. My 
section of the music scene, I'm the only trans woman doing what she's doing. That has a lot of pressure to it because when I get on stage, people don't just see, oh, this is a cool band. But then when you get on stage, all people see is this. So everyone's like, you're the spokesperson for all things trans in this scene. That kind of really sucks because I'm my word is not the final say in anything. I could be wrong about a million and one things. And frankly, if there people have questions or like thoughts or stuff, I'd rather just say Google it. I'd rather be known for being a badass front woman than being known for being a woman. Right. Like that's that's frustrating as an artist and that's annoying. But the fact of the matter is is that I am a transgender woman who is getting on stage and who has feelings and opinions. So tell me a little bit more about your journey to sobriety and what it's like to be a musician who's in recovery. Because I'm curious to know, like, do venues make that harder, easier? Sometimes. I mean, I've been very open about my sobriety. Like, I talk about it on stage. I've written a lot of songs about it. I mean, when I got sober, I was kind of in the thick of going to, like, shows every single week. I mean, like, well, almost every single night. And that was kind of a party for me. That was like, okay, well, I can't really loosen up because I have a lot of anxiety right now. So I'm going to bury myself in drugs and alcohol until I feel relaxed enough to interact with people. Mm -hmm. And so when I got sober a year and a half ago, I didn't go to shows for like almost three months. And I was just like, I don't quite know if I'm ready to do this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because what's going to loosen me up and let me... um, interact with the rest of the world so when I finally did start going to shows again I kind of started going and being like okay well I can't stay here the entire time because very suddenly the feeling especially really early on in sobriety you just still like have that like itch to do like to drink to use drugs to whatever to do whatever you can just to like keep your demons at bay and I'd been trying like you know going to I'd been into rehab. I was doing outpatient at the time and a lot of other things to try and keep myself sober. Uh, And so it was just this kind of like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to uh, my outpatient tomorrow. I'm going to talk about this and process this. And then kind of going to a show again the next night. It was like, okay, I can kind of do this. And I mean, it's always on my mind Mm. every single time. Um, My, like my band, you know, they're very supportive of that. We kind of have like this rule, like, you guys don't really drink like have a beer if you want but before we get on it's like don't get sloshed because that's probably gonna it's not just like you're gonna play like shit that's also gonna negatively affect me and I'm just gonna want to drink and it's gonna kind of give me like a more of an excuse to um, be like oh well you know the rest of my band's partying right now I think I can and I'm like I don't really have that excuse this is the only reason I like being sober is the only reason I can hold it together enough to get on stage so I'm putting together a little timeline in my mind of kind of the last couple of years of your life. And it sounds like you came out not too long before your sobriety started. It was uh, about almost a year. 
before. Okay. Just a little bit. Um, I came out and it, that kind of was the cat, like kind of the push um, to get me sober. The best way I know how to describe it is that after I started medically transitioning, I could finally look in the mirror and see the person I wanted to see. And I didn't really like who I was seeing. Yeah, it was pretty much almost a year after I came out. It was a kind of a life or death sort of thing. Mm. I needed to do it. Then I went right immediately into rehab afterwards. Okay. Um, and then got out and started Naive Sons Up. And that was just kind of a thing that was like, okay, me and Tommy, our guitarist, are bored and let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the name come from? I was drunk one day, and I was making a bunch of patches very sloppily in my um, basement, and I had cut out one, and I had written naive on it. And then um, I was picking up a pile of stencils, and the uh, sense sign fell right on. I was like, naive sense. That sounds cool. I should call a band that someday, and didn't think about it again. And so that's kind of, that's honestly where the name came from. That's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't have any huge significance um, when Tommy and I started this band. It was originally just kind of this recording project. It was right when I got sober. Um, he and my brother, a little bit of time, like, I don't remember how long ago it was, but they had recorded these. They were bored one night, recorded two songs. Tommy and my brother have been playing uh, music together for a really, really long time. They were in Small Towns Burn a Little Slower and Farewell Continental together. Uh, so they'd known each other for a while. Tommy's like my brother. Um, and they sent them to me and I was just like, Hey, can I do vocals for this? And I went in and it was like recorded some really pissed off. Like I literally wrote the vote, the lyrics while I was going through alcohol withdrawal and was feeling a lot of emotions all at once. So Tommy and I recorded the vocals and we went back and we listened to them and I was just like, this, this seems right. Like something about this seems super right. And then I went off to rehab, didn't really think about it. And uh, in March of last year, Tommy and I were seeing Zoo Animal, and we were sitting backstage uh, with Noah, the bass player. Like, they broke up now, but yeah. you Noah's know, been a good friend of ours. Um, and Tommy's like, yeah, I really want to start a hardcore band. And I'm like, well, we kind of already have something. And just, like, threw that out there. He's like, hey, you want to start a band? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Well, what should we call it? Well, why don't we just call it Naive Sons? Because literally, like, I'd taken a picture of this patch and, like, had put it on Instagram. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Ha, ha, ha. And that was it. That's We used that for, like, when we released these first demos on Bandcamp. We just used that as our thing. Oh, it was wow. like It was like, okay, well, we need some kind of quote-unquote art. So yeah. let's just use that. We'll call it Naive Sense then. <laughs> you know, I think in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of visibility for um, just trans issues, trans awareness. There's been TV shows that have brought more visibility. But I think that there's still a lot of probably misconceptions and misunderstandings. What are some things that you would have been trying to educate people about? Or what are some misconceptions that you feel people have about that experience? You know, I think the biggest one that in interview setting, it's always okay to ask about our stories. Like, you need background stories. Yeah. But I hate it absolutely despise it when people ask me about 
how I came out, how I realized stuff. I'm like, why the hell are you fetishizing my experience to make yourself feel better? Like, that's what I feel like is going on. I feel like it's this very, like, oh, this your story makes me feel good about myself and feel good about life. I'm like, that's, no, this isn't a feel-good story for the rest of the world. This is our own experience, and this is a frustrating, anxiety-filled one at that. Yeah. I mean, my family rejected me. Yeah. I get verbally harassed on the streets. I've been physically threatened. I've had to, like, fight people. Like, this is a, this is a difficult thing. This isn't easy. And so when people try and make it out to be this feel-good thing, it's like, no, it's not. This isn't a feel-good thing today. Right. Some days it's really cool to, like, wake up and be like, Oh, this is so good. I'm finally looking in the mirror and seeing myself. Now it's like all, then all this stuff that I have to deal. I'm not looking forward to this at all. Like not looking forward to going out the front door. And if people want to show support, it's like stop asking about someone's experiences. Like, yeah, you can ask them what their preferred pronouns are if they come out. But it's like stop asking them about how they came to this decision just respect that they did and that this is them that's a very personal thing right i don't always mind being open about it especially in settings like this but that is such a damn personal question for me it's like on par with people saying so did you get the surgery yet like Mm. that's a stupid question right there like why is it trans people are constantly asked invasive questions it's like no, I'm not okay with that. Just respect us for being people. Um, it's For me, it's akin to women in the music scene uh, being just asked, like, so what does it feel like to be a woman in the music scene? Uh, Andrew, what does it feel like question. to be a woman reporter for the current? Like, what the fuck is that all about? <laughs> it's like it's like whenever I explain it to that people, like right. to people like that, they're like, oh, I'm yeah. like, this is what we get asked every single day. It's not yeah. just a... Uh, once in a while like oh god i'm gonna have to deal with the dumb questions again today like it's a daily like so like somebody one of my i work at a coffee shop and one of my regulars literally asked me does it hurt your feelings when people misgender you and i'm like yes it (laughs) does but for people to ask any kind of invasive questions about our process about what we're doing it's like no that's that's not your business you're not gonna walk up to like one of your bros and just be like so how are the genitals doing today like you don't do that you don't walk up to a random person on the street and do that you don't walk up to somebody and say so when you were going through puberty like what was it like to and I mean that's not a common everyday conversation you have with people so why does it have to be a conversation for us my opinion is that a lot of people don't see us as fully people were seen as objects were seen as stories were seen as fetishes we're not seen as people with real needs and desires and a life that we're living like being trans isn't the only thing that I have going for me like we were talked about earlier I'm also a sober person I'm a musician Mm -hmm. I work in a coffee shop and I absolutely love doing that like why can't people ask me about that stuff like kind of thing like there we go that's a that's a frustrating thing right there right so do you feel like the caitlin jenners of the world and the you know transparent and has that emboldened people to ask more questions or make yes, them more curious a little bit um because I, I mean a lot of people forget that it wasn't caitlin jenner who was america's first trans sweetheart it was actually laverne cox um and i think that kind of like the way laverne cox talked about things is very different than caitlin jenner yeah. like 
and that's a, this is a very good thing. First of all, it's like Laverne Cox emboldened us as trans people to be able to take a stand for what we feel is right. Well, thank you so much for talking about all of this. For sure. I really like listening to you talk. Yeah, I kind of went on a few <laughs> tangents. I like it. <laughs> like, you should I'm have your own feist, radio show. I'm in a feisty mood today, so. Thank you for listening. That was episode 20 of The OK Show, a conversation with Natalie Grace McKay. You can learn more about Natalie and her band and see some fantastic portraits by Nate Ryan over at thecurrent.org. Don't forget to subscribe to The OK Show podcast. Put out a new episode every week and next week, Davina Sowers of Davina and the Vagabonds. I have been waiting to talk to this woman for a couple years now, and it was fantastic. We had a great conversation at my house. So stick around for that. And until next time, it's going to be okay. Bye.